Hello, thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. And this content is about understanding how you can make and utilize wise content to improve your financial success or the profit of your business. Uh, I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I'm a marketing technology expert who has built multi-million dollar companies. I'm also an award-winning content producer. Uh, so be sure to go to uh, wisecontentcreateswealth.com to sign up for my news- newsletter and to get access to resources to help you produce wise content. My company is Galileo Tech Media and is a leader in SEO and inbound marketing tech, uh, and, and various tactical executions uh, for the marketing space. And we specialize in wise content, which is content that incorporates semantic science, behavioral science, AI, and data, and smart tactics to make marketing content that, is, that, is, uh, that performs better. Um, now, today, our agenda is Amazon, and then some insights into making it work with you with a, an industry leader, and also some resources to explore further. Amazon is one of the largest and most valuable companies on the internet today, in fact, in the world. And its market capitalization is well, well north of a, a $1.5 trillion. Um, so it's huge. I remember when it first started uh, back, I think it was 94. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even believe that it was coming. <laughs> I couldn't believe that somebody was going to try to sell online at the time. You know, I was uh, in the technology space, but they did it. Um, it was designed to be an everything store. So I had a big vision from the beginning. Jeff Bezos, you know, uh, saw the opportunity to sell everything, to be like the, the, the store that was the biggest store in the world. And his motto was actually fast growth at, at, all, at all costs. Um, but he had to start on something. So he started focusing on books. And there was a couple reasons for that. One was is that books, uh, when people buy a copy of a book, they know what they're getting. Right, because every copy of a book is essentially the same as another one. So um, it would be easy for them to know what they were getting. There was no decisions about, well, what's the color? What's there was no, you know, on the internet those days, you know, the buying experience was a concern whether people would want to buy something without looking at it. And he realized that, well, books, people probably already know what they're getting, so they don't need to look at it. They're just needing to find the book that they, they wanted to buy because they're wanting the content. Uh, additionally, books had the advantage at that time is there was just two main distributors, you know, that were distributing to all the bookstores. So he could get access to like a three million uh, book inventory that he could, uh, if he made deals with them, to, to sell online. And no, no bookstore anywhere had much that much inventory. And if he could get it there fast enough for people, you know, that they would, you know, that they would be willing to buy it online you know, then he, he figured that he had a pretty good shot. And, you know, within a few weeks of getting going online, he was selling $20,000 a month in inventory. I mean, we all wish we could have that happen with some store that we put up. Um, and then he just kept expanding from there. His whole motto of, of, of fast growth um, meant that he was quickly going into other verticals and, uh, and bringing in, I mean, other horizontals and bringing other things to sell as fast as he can. Um so that makes it uh, um, um, makes it now to this point 
you know, a ubiquitous presence. It's now, some people say it's now become a public utility with this COVID crisis. I mean, it was, it was necessary in a sense to get your groceries, especially when they, they also bought up Whole Foods, which had a whole network of stores um, so that, you know, it has multiple ways to get uh, product to you. It's, yeah, I know in New York City, I wouldn't, I couldn't have, it would have been really hard at the beginning to do anything without Amazon because um, all the local stores were selling out with everything. Um, so, um, so it, it uh, and it, you know, so to this day, it's, it focuses in on, uh, it's basically its user, the experience that the customer wants to have, which is essentially coming there. What Amazon is, is you go there, you can buy anything. You go there with the expectation that you can buy anything. Now, at some point, I mean, my wife was complaining the other day. She said, you know, sometimes when I search for stuff, I just get all these crazy vendors, all this crazy stuff, you know, from all over the world. I don't know who to choose them for, for anymore. So they might be becoming a victim of their own success in some ways. And I'm sure they're w- working on ways to deal with that. Um, but the important thing that Amazon did early on is allowed, it did two things. One, it started allowing other people to sell and build their stores on it. And it also created an associates programs, which allowed people to create essentially affiliates where they could get a commission for selling products that are on Amazon. Um, and now 40% of the revenue comes through that uh, associates program. So um, there's a lot of meat in Amazon and a lot of ways to be successful on Amazon, a lot of ways to sell things. So it becomes somewhat confusing um, and difficult uh, for the person getting started to understand how they can be concept- successful. Well, I'm going to d- introduce you now to Luke Tierney. He's a director of ECO D2C, and he is a serial entrepreneur, an educator and digital marketer specialized in Amazon. He is, uh, has given presentations on digital marketing and remote team building in three continents in English and Spanish. He describes, he describes his firm as Amazon Plus, and that while Amazon is at the center of EcoDC's D2C's uh, services, they focus on multi-channel strategies and how to use Amazon in combination with the other Goliaths of Facebook, Google, email, and, the other, uh, and, and other marketing access to achieve the most growth that you can get. Um, and, you know, and we're going to go a little bit even further into all this with some of the wise content uh, ideas that they use to help companies build their brand and their sales online. So, hello, Luke. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Sure. Hey, you know, I was looking at your name, Eco D2C. What does that mean and how did you come up with that name? So, it means... Uh, it means uh, Eco is in... Uh, we work a lot with natural brands in particular. Um uh, and it's just a, that's just a space that, you know, we like to play and we like to support good products. Um, and then D2C means direct to consumer. Really? Okay, cool. I sort of knew that, but I did. Uh, you, uh, I mean, we actually, I actually met you at Natchcom, which is the, uh, the big trade show for natural food products. Uh, how did you get involved in that in the natural food products in the first place? So a lot of it just came from, um, well, just to, to take a, a step a step back. So, when I first got involved in Amazon, um, I'd already been involved in uh, digital marketing in a number of ways for for some years through through other ventures um, that I'd had. Um, but Amazon in particular really stood out to me as 
is a very interesting platform because especially in especially in those days, there's a, were a lot of individuals and small teams that were having um, a lot of success and growth on the platform. And so essentially, um, you know, my motivation was, uh, you know, how can I use, you know, how can I, how can I best use these, you know, fast growing newer channels to help brands that have, you know, great products, whether it's, whether it's better for the environment or people or, um, what have you, uh, you know, I, I get the most excited about other companies and brands that are, uh, that are making something that are, that are better. Um, and just the infrastructure that Amazon has helped pioneer, I think is just, uh, just amazing for innovation and for discovering new products. And so that was the, that was the birth of, of eco D to C. Um, and to this day, that's what we do. Um, we help brands, uh, not only in the natural space, we work in a, a lot of different categories, but, uh, we do work with a pretty large number of, uh, uh, food and beverage companies that are uh, that are trying to sell uh, and trying to grow their presence on Amazon. So you, um, I mean, you, uh, you you obviously know a lot about the marketing space, but you really decided to focus your company on Amazon. And you know, how did you how did you decide to focus on Amazon marketing? Well, we wanted to be where we were most effective, right? And you know, I should start out by saying that you know, being on one channel is. Uh, you know, a bit of a liability these days, more than anything. Um, you do want to be present on other channels and we do like to focus on, uh, you know, how, how Amazon fits with, you know, a brand's other assets, um, depending on where a brand is in their journey, you know, uh, different combinations of these platforms are appropriate. Uh, but Amazon is where we see the most bang for buck by far and why we focus as heavily on it as, as we do. Um, I mean, just to throw a couple of figures out there, you know, Amazon is, uh, you know, looking at, especially, you know, uh, this far into the pandemic, seeing how the e-commerce landscape has changed and how brick and mortar has changed um, and how it's going to change going forward. You know, Amazon is 38% of all e-commerce in the United States. The next highest percentage is, I think, Walmart actually passed up eBay in 2020 for the first time. Um, but Walmart had like a, you know, a, I think below six or 7%, right? So the gap is massive. Um, so when we look to, you know, where can we continue to invest to best help, um, uh, um, Amazon is, is frequently the, Amazon is the answer. Right. I mean, I know that, uh, uh, that, uh, the growth is going to be huge for these companies because, I mean, e-commerce sales is still at this point are less than, you know, twenty percent of the re, uh, e, uh, retail. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, this, you know, and, and it's growing at an incredible pace. I mean, nothing like at the beginning. At the beginning, they were growing like twenty four hundred percent a year. Uh, so I don't think it's growing that fast right now. But um, they're 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 it's going to continue to grow as more and more people. I think this this uh, this pandemic has probably conditioned people to buy online tremendously and you know i know that's happening the trap is going to happen big in the travel space a lot of spaces that uh you know that they just were cut off from the physical uh connection with people mm-hmm. um so um, i think it's a a, a great um, place to be in do you remember your first amazon amazon marketing campaign I do. <laughs> I do. It was, it was, it was years ago. Um, there's a lot more, uh, a lot more features of the, the ecosystem has expanded quite a bit since those days. 
Um, but one thing that I did want to touch on is, you know, um, as you, as you just mentioned, you know, uh, these days, you know, with, with social distancing still in place and, you know, it looks like there's like an end in sight with the pandemic, but it's still going on. There's a lot of people asking questions about brick and mortar versus online. Um, and often, often these things are often these two spheres and I'm not saying this is what you're, uh, what, you, uh, what you're doing, but, um, it is the way that I see the conversa- conversation framed a lot is, uh, almost like a, like a rivalry kind of thing. And depending on how you set up your, uh, deals with distributors versus how you set yourself up online, you can actually put these, uh, two things at odds, but, uh, it's more of a both and conversation. Like you can have an integrated strategy. Um, and more and more we see, we see online and in person talking to each other more in really interesting ways. Right. So I don't think, um, uh, I definitely, I absolutely believe that, you know, e-commerce, you know, globally as well as in the U S is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. But, uh, you know, depending on which futurist you're talking with, you might hear like, a, like, oh, like one is going to replace the other. I think they're simply going to become more and more integrated. Um, mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, I mean, I know um, uh, uh, we can, Joseph, you and I have talked a bit about how, um, how Amazon uh, influences, you know, behavior on these other channels and in brick and mortar. But um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see the way that all this evolves. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, what is what is e-commerce going to evolve into? I mean, you know, I think it's going to be dependent upon also the other kinds of technologies that come along the way, you know, ways to actually, you know, virtually, physically inter- inter- interact with clients, you know, with products, uh, you know, 3D, uh, you, know, uh, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality. All these things are going to have a great effect. But we're going to talk more about Amazon and Amazon SEO when we come back after the break. Joseph McElroy back with uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth um, podcast and with my guest Luke Tierney. Hey, Luke. Um, you know, we were talking about um, you know the impact of you know COVID and and corona and the coronavirus, the pandemic on on e-commerce in general. What do you expect will be the biggest change in Amazon after in twenty twenty one after this pandemic is sort of subsided? I think it's going to become more competitive. Um, uh, we've been seeing that trend for some time now. Um, and I mean, the, the cost of marketing on the platform have, uh, have gone up, but so has the opportunity sub- substantially. Um, you know, depending, uh, depending on the, the size of the brand that we're, that we're talking with, like there's a couple of different, um, there's a couple of different things we'll, we'll emphasize, but, uh, the the thing that I think is going to be really important to keep in mind moving forward uh, for small to medium sized businesses, especially, um, is to think of Amazon almost as a almost as a Yelp for your products. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it can be something that is helpful. It can be something that uh, is harmful. And the difference is, you know, how uh, how well are you managing your your presence on the platform? Um, so. Um, 
Amazon is just to give a couple of stats, just to throw out there that to to give context to all this. Amazon is the number one search platform for product research in the United States. It passed up Google a couple of years ago in 2018. Um, some 63% of Americans start their product research on Amazon when they're looking for something, right? And so that's um, that's not on the organic, you know, more discovery side. And then um, and other pieces you have to contend with are, uh, you know, if, if, for instance, resellers are uh, selling your product on Amazon or you simply have a... Um, have listings that don't look very, um, very good. You know, wherever wherever people are finding your products, they're looking up on Amazon. You know, some nine in ten online shoppers will double check against Amazon for price and for reviews before buying on another site. And you know, nine in ten of them are going to buy on Amazon anyways. Uh, we've seen examples of clients that have massive, massive media uh, appearances, um, Shark Tank, for instance, and. You know, some seventy percent, even though they try to uh, push it to their website, seventy percent goes to Amazon. Um, without an optimized presence, um, they might have lost out on quite a few of those sales. Twenty-six um, percent. This is pre-pandemic. Twenty-six percent of in-store brick-and-mortar shoppers check against Amazon as well. And so, when I mentioned earlier that you know, am, uh, online and offline are talking to each other much more. Um, this is one of the uh, this is one of the immediate examples that we can give, um, and we've only seen that number that percentage grow um, since the pandemic has started. So, over a quarter of uh, customers that find you in store are still going to be checking Amazon again for reviews for pricing parity. Um, and essentially, what this means is that you know, there is um, even if even if a brand is is not investing in ads on the platform. Right. Um, even as, you know, uh, especially if they're in a competitive space, you know, it might be rather expensive for them to get involved. Um, in a lot of cases, it is very much still worth it. But, um, you know, these are decisions to make strategically. Um, but, you know, comparatively, like getting lost on the platform is pretty inexpensive. Like a professional seller plan is $40 a month, um, plus whatever costs and time it takes you to to properly, uh, you know, to write your copy or to hire someone to write it and to make sure that you've done everything correctly. Um, and then past that you can, you know, you can collect the positive reviews as long as you have someone watching the account and making sure that your metrics, um, you know, stay high and that you stay in stock. It can be a, it can be a smaller investment that can reap a lot of rewards down the road. So, uh, for for brands of all sizes, there are there's a way to use Amazon to your benefit um, that will that will fit within your budget. Should I, uh, a small brand or uh, somebody to start up, should they uh, just go directly to Amazon and start selling, or should they build a website, or maybe a Shopify or something like that? What are the what are the decisions there? So we do see a lot of brands that launch on Amazon even before they build a website. I like to say that to think of Amazon as your second storefront online, uh, your first being your website. Um, however, you know, it depends on, it depends on how your, um, how your customers are discovering you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do encourage brands to, to have both as far as which one comes first. Um, you know, being, being on one channel can be a liability and you can have a simple website that looks, that looks great without being high cost or very complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, but as to which one comes first, we see brands, we see brands launching both at the same time, doing one than the other. 
Um, it really depends on what your marketing plan looks like. Is there any other platforms that they should consider as well, like Google Google products or something like that, that they should also launch on? Or is it just your own and, and Amazon? That's, uh, that, that's the game. I would start with your own and I would start with your own. There are, I mean, there's other marketplaces that are interesting, right? Um, you know, Facebook has come out um, with their own, their own platform for listing products. Uh, you know, Google, as you just mentioned, um, depending on, you know, how specialty your, your product is, Etsy uh, might be relevant. Uh, Walmart is looking like um, the – Walmart is, especially when it comes to grocery, is uh, decently – they're probably the best position to take on Amazon's, you know, overall position here. Um, though they're clearly not doing it yet. Um, other, uh, you know, other online retailers, you know, also saw their numbers jump you know, during 2020 and they'll be investing way more in their online presence as well. Target could be interesting. It really, um, in order to properly answer the question of what marketplaces should you be on, we have to have a conversation about what are you selling Mm -hmm. and what does it make sense? Well, which, which uh, product set would be the ones that you, that you think, or at least a couple that you think just need to be Amazon and that's where they got to go. As long as you're selling a product that is not that does not require like refrigeration of some kind, yeah. um, or is so oversized that you know shipping shipping units might um, is going to be a difficult thing to do. I struggle to think of a, an example of a CPG brand that would not benefit from being on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Amazon's affiliate program? Uh, in, in which way, um, is in people, is there a good way for somebody to build a business? Well, it depends what kind of business you're trying to build. Um, most of the times when we, uh, discuss affiliates with individuals, um, like are referring to individuals that try to build a blog and, you know, make a lot of money through affiliate sales, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. There's people who definitely made a lot of money doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different ways to go about it. Um, there's different, you know, some rules of thumb to follow. Um, and that's, that can get into its own world, uh, its own rabbit hole pretty, pretty quickly as to like, how do you choose the right product? Um, you know, how do you gain authority on, on Google? So people are actually finding you, which, um, uh, you know, I have a reason for asking that is I'm, I have another podcast called gateway to the Smokies and I have, um, you know, building out a whole Smoky Mountain blog vertical with all sorts of content. And we're looking at ways to monetize it. So one of them is we're looking at book, uh, affiliate book sales. So, uh, so yeah. I'll tell your motives about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I've known people to have success. I've also known a lot of people to, um, you know, dive into it and uh, find out that it wasn't as profitable as I thought it was going to be like, you really, really, really want to make sure that you have um, that you picked your product well, that you picked a niche that is not going to be too competitive for you to rank for um, when it comes on, on Google uh, for your affiliate site. Um, and then the other, like I, I've had a website um, before a project that the monetization model was based on affiliates and uh, and unique partnerships before there was, there was some complexities to it, but essentially, you know, one of the lessons um, that we learned pretty on is that, you know, you need to have, you want to have the numbers crunched before, before 
right? You don't want to just count on like, oh, I'm just going to have like a dozen products up there. If we drive enough traffic, people will buy it. It's a much more precise science than that. You want to calculate from the beginning, like, okay, if, you know, understanding averages of how traffic's going to convert uh, on affiliate listings, how much, you know, of an affiliate commission am I actually getting from this product? Um, you know, once you start running numbers and realizing how much traffic you're going to actually need and how well your content's going to have to point to those affiliate offers, um, the the model can either justify itself or fall apart pretty quickly, depending on uh, depending on the answers to those questions. Cool. Um, so, what else? Um, what are some of the ways that a brand can use Amazon strategically? Um. Well, uh, it depends if we're talking organically or uh, as far as paid media goes, but. Um, just making sure, making sure that you are really controlling and managing your brand, um, and that you have enough information out there. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, making sure that you know, again, if even if you're not selling your product on Amazon, somebody else very well could be. Um, and there's different ways to manage that reseller issue. But uh, even if, like, if you've just put a listing up on Amazon and you don't have much content up there at all, um, you know, sixty nine percent, like the vast majority of consumers will bounce from a product page if there's not enough information, right? You want to make sure that you have fully fleshed out titles, bullets, description. Um, uh, if people are familiar with Amazon, you know, A plus content, um, you know, you want to have a full set of images in your uh, image carousel. Um, it, if once you have all the basic building blocks in place, then it becomes a question of, well, how do I get traffic to this listing? Am I investing in that? Do I want Amazon to be a profitable growth channel for me? Is it more of a, uh, or is it more of a, um, a research, uh, plot, you know, I'm using the platform for, you know, the discovery and research opportunities. So when customers look me up, they'll find my listing and they'll find high quality reviews and they'll find high quality content. Um, you can certainly start with one strategy and then move into the other, or you can do everything out of the gate. Um, but it is very much worth making sure that you have your, your eyes dotted and T's crossed in this case. Um, the longer you leave it, um, we'll be called in to clean up, uh, to clean up Amazon stores that have had resellers for, for years or just haven't paid attention to their own, uh, their own stores. And it's, it's much easier to get this right from the outset than to wait until you have 75, you know, reviews on the platform and like an average of three stars just because they're uh just because there are uh there's not enough information on the product and people bought it thinking that it might be something a bit different right like a lot of these things can be mitigated uh, early on before they become a problem cool well when we come back um we'll talk about uh, the content wise content i want to know more about what a plus content a1 content is and uh I uh, look forward to talking to you further. Hi, it's Joseph Franklin McElroy back with uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth a podcast with my guest, Luke Terney. And we're talking about Amazon and white con- and wise content. So, Luke, what would be your top consideration if your assignment was to help guide the, uh, the creation of wise content for an organization? So, 
In regards to creating wise content using some of the information we can get from Amazon in particular, I think there's some unique opportunities um, that uh, that listeners here can can really use and, um, and and dive into that I'd like to like to go over to give uh, to give some actionables. So, um, so there are a couple of really unique data points that we can get from Amazon that we can't get other places, um, and some of these. Some of these advantages stem from the fact that Amazon is the number one, you know, uh, product research tool. Um, <laughs> so there are ways, and these are what I'm about to suggest. Um, you know, uh, in order to properly analyze, you do need some paid tools for it, or to know somebody who has access to them. Um, we use Helium 10 uh, quite a bit. Uh, they're they're fantastic. They're not the only ones out there. Um, but Helium 10. Helium 10. Okay. Um, they're the leader when it comes to, uh, when it comes to SEO research, among other things. Um, but there's a couple of, a couple of unique things that stand out are one, you know, if this is the, since this is the platform where people are searching the most for products, you can really size up a space, right. Um, and you can see some unique, uh, data points like, uh, there are, uh, it's called a reverse ASIN search. And I know this might be a little jargony for people, but essentially, um, you can look up and to see what, if you know how to use the tools correctly, uh, you can look up to see, you know, what your competitors rank for organically on Amazon. And if you really know how to play with things, you can even, uh, do, uh, do group searches, um, and play, uh, and play with the data to see what keywords they're converting for. Right. So it's, if you know anything about Google SEO or Amazon SEO, it's pretty straightforward to look up, you know, how much uh, raw search volume there is any given month for a keyword. Right. But, um, uh, and that's important data to have. But another very interesting question to have is, you know, what keywords are not only people searching for in mass, but what are they actually searching for and then buying? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, take things from just product research to, you know, what, what key terms are actually getting purchases for your competitors as a group. Um, and so if we use a lot of this data, then one, we can come up with, um, a pretty, a pretty accurate list of what the most important key phrases are, even if they are, you know, lower traffic, longer tail. And we can not only optimize Amazon listings using these key phrases, but we can also take a look at copy in other places as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, people, uh, customers want to buy what they've been searching for, right? They have, they're going to have an exact use case. They're going to have an exact solution they need filled. And you can create content around those phrases and targeting that audience. Um, so it really allows us, it gives us an opportunity to be much more refined in, um, in our marketing, both on Amazon and off. Cool. So, um, so if you, uh, should you, if you have, um, I was looking, for example, I was looking for a product yesterday. It was a little desk fan that, you know, a bladeless desk fan, something that was small, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I would enter in the keywords, you know, desk, uh, fan, small, bladeless, right? And then some came up, uh, you know, but then way further down, there was others that were, would have been considered the same thing, but they were much further down um and the search but i'm i'm sort of a persistent guy and i just went through them and so mm-hmm. i actually found one that was more appropriate for what i wanted you know but they were selling it for like table use right um mm-hmm. table use 
uh, I guess there's a coffee table thing. And so it was, had all that kind of things. In that kind of scenario, would you create um, another listing or would you somehow optimize for both the table use and for the uh, de- small desktop? Oh, I would optimize the same listing for, for both of those use cases. Absolutely. And this is something that we see pretty often, especially, especially in uh, with like specialty products or, you know, innovative products that might ride a couple of category lines or try to be creating a new category. Um, and we're trying to capture traffic from a category that's adjacent uh, with similar use cases. And you, you don't want to like the, First of all, you know, you'd have to have, you know, separate, you know, uh, UPCs and Amazon. Amazon would not be happy if they caught you doing, you know, duplicate listings uh, in in that particular way. But even apart from what they do or don't like, it wouldn't be an effective way to market. Right. Uh, you you would want to have one listing that is uh, simply capitalizing on um, the different use cases for a product. If you had to scroll that far down. To, to get to something that was more appropriate, um, that tells me that they might have a missed opportunity to better optimize um, and, and tweak the listing so that they, they move on. I see. Um, well, would a, could a company, would it, would it violate uh, uh, Amazon's uh, policies if you actually created a different model? Yeah, you know, a different model number, maybe a slightly different case or something like that? Oh, not at all. That would be... Yeah. Yeah, if you. I mean, if you're actually creating another product, right? If it's, if it's the same, pro- like, and I have seen companies do this where, um, you know, there might be there might be two products that are very similar, but just have different names, and they'll try they'll try rebranding what's essentially the same thing, and they'll launch in another space, and maybe some like limited success there, um, but uh, really, you know, and especially in the this case in which there's like a desk, a desktop fan, if I heard you correctly, yeah. um, you know, if, if there's enough search traffic to justify having two, two different products, you know, where one is essentially a tweaked version of the other, and it is actually a different product, then yeah, you can create another SKU. Um, uh, you'd have to have, you know, uh, you could, you could variate it, which means, you know, that you go to one detail page and you see the options for both. Right, like there, there would be a way to go about that. But if it is literally the same product, um, then I would advocate, uh, I would advocate just uh, better optimizations. So give uh, give our uh, you know some of the people out there might not know how anything about optimizing. Uh, what would you say? Give a high level view of how you optimize uh, a listing for Amazon. So there's a there's a number of things to look at, um, and. Uh, one thing to emphasize is, uh, you know, this is there's the data that we get on Amazon, and then there's the data that Amazon doesn't give us at all that we want to get from other places, right? Um, the real the real art in having wise copy, you know, on Amazon listings is <clears throat> certainly digging through the data that Amazon gives you, or that you can mine from Amazon, rather, I should say. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of data that Amazon's not going to give you as well. It's not going to give you the demographic audience data that Facebook does, right? It's not going to, um, uh, it's not going to have, you know, built in the, the kind of exercises that, the kind of data that a brand will get, you know, going through certain kinds of exercises early on um, to make, uh, to identify who their target customers are and to have language that they know is going to appeal to them. Um, the real art is in combining 
the the technical data that we mine from Amazon with a brand's own branded language. Is it possible just to mine what's working on Amazon and be very successful and create listings surrounding that? Absolutely. Um, but there is also uh, there is information off platform that we are very very uh, intentional about incorporating. Um, but as far as Amazon optimizations go, um, I mean it depends on which aspect we're talking about. There's there's the keywords, there's the images, there's the way we, there's infographics, there's the way we position things. But if we're talking about keyword research specifically. Um, you're going to want to size up your space. You're going to want to see what the, we call them head terms, um, essentially uh, short tail keywords with a ton of traffic. Um, you're going to want to do a, a, what those are in your space and what those are that are very near your space that customers, your target customer is also searching for. Now, do, you um, Google, do you use Google uh, Keyword Planner or do you use Amazon? Do they have something equivalent to an Amazon uh, planner that tells you keyword research? We use Amazon. If a brand uh, has Google data, then um, and we and especially if they already have data for what's already working on another ad channel or on their website, then we absolutely incorporate that. Um, but Amazon has tools all you know. There's a lot of tools unique to Amazon's marketplace. Amazon doesn't have one for you, right? But there's tons of third-party softwares that you can go out there and use. Some free, some paid. Um. But looking up what your head terms are, uh, looking at what you know is working for your competitors um, is very important. Um, like a really thorough, thorough competitor analysis um, consists of more than just using tools. You actually want to visit the detail pages. You want to see what their unique selling propositions are, and you want to see where you can fit. Um, and if if you do all this right, um, you know I've known quite a few successful entrepreneurs and brands, um, you know, once they really get to know their space on Amazon, you know, you can, you can see which niches are saturated and which ones have more of a market gap for you to come in with an innovative product or for you to simply position yourself. Well, um, Amazon reviews are controlled pretty, uh, since 2015, they're controlled pretty tightly. Um, there's a lot of data there just that I think is very underutilized. You know, um, uh, I can think of a couple examples where, you know, um, there might've been, there might be, you know, a particular product niche and there'll be one leader that we can mine a lot of data from and see what's working for them or a couple of leaders trailed by a number of low quality competitors that are poorly reviewed and clearly don't have their marketing plans well put together. That's the kind of scenario you can look for to see, okay, so if I, if I have a, if I'm on top of my keyword strategy, if I identify my unique selling propositions um, relative to these competitors, then I can come in and I can fill a gap in the market and I can be quite successful. And then you make your copy, uh, talk, talk about those keywords with your unique selling proposition in a way that, that helps sell. Good, good copywriting class. Exactly. If done well, um, if done well, you can uh, uh, you can launch right to the top. Um, okay. Cool. For certain uh, high high volume phrases. Well, good. When we come, uh, well, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we'll finish up a little bit more about uh, the specific aspects of uh, a page that you might want to optimize, and then uh, other resources you can get a, get a hold of to help you in your journey. Hi, 
this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with uh, uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast. My guest, Luke Tierney. Uh, and we were talking about optimizing your uh, Amazon product pages. And, you know, the, I think that, uh, you know, understanding the keywords and the unique selling proposition in your space uh, where you need to fit your products is important. Uh, weaving those keywords and the unique selling proposition of the content on that page is critically important, I think, in the titles like everything else um, and all the way down through the copy. But, uh, Luke, I wanna, there's other things that go on that page. You've got images and video and, and more copy, and you ca- talked about something called A-plus or A-1 copy. How is, what is all that and how is it balanced? So, essentially, um, so these, uh, we, can, we can list these different assets in order of how important, okay. uh, important they are. So... Your your title and your uh, your images um, are going to be your most uh, the the very first things to tackle. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. You know, uh, your your title, um, the first 80 characters of it is going to be what's, what shows and ads, depending on what kind of device customers are on. Um, it's also going to be just where uh, it's going to be uh, the first place that you can really grab you know a customer's attention. Um, and then, uh, as far as your images go, Amazon has some specific image guidelines for uh, for the main image, especially. But after that, you know, you have a lot of um, there's a lot of opportunity to include. Uh, we often encourage brands to include lifestyle photos, especially um, if there's a certain uh, education barrier that you have to get over, or certain you know USPs, unique selling propositions you want to get across. Um, infographics are really great here. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, but what you don't want to have is, you know, you get on there and it's, you know, uh, a title that's like 50 characters long and like two images because people will, uh, traffic will leave. Um, after that, you know, um, in importance comes the bullets, um, or, and, or, uh, a plus content is what I referred to before. So, a plus content is only available to brands that are uh, brand registered on Amazon. It just means that they have a trademark and they've, per- they've shown Amazon that they have that trademark. Um, and that opens up certain, that opens up certain um, features on Amazon that is simply not available to, to resellers, for instance. Um, and so depending on if you're on mobile or if you're on desktop and the majority, like over half of Amazon, uh, of traffic on Amazon is mobile. Um, there's a, an extra branded section called a plus content that, um, that you can, you can fill out with extra images, extra text, uh, on mobile that appears before the bullets and on desktop, the, the bullets appear first. So, um, if you do happen to have brand registry or if you just have a trademark, it is worth showing it to Amazon so you can take advantage of that. But it gives you, um, Amazon's pretty tight in the way it control and how, how it controls the ways that you can, uh, the ways that you can show your content, right? They have a, they have quite a few rules. And so this is, uh, it's just one section that if you have the ability to use it, it is best to do so because it's one of the few opportunities you are really going to have to expand and uh, on the amount of branded content you have on a listing. Cool. You know, um, when we build content for websites and you know, and Google SEO, we like to at least uh, re- look at the content and uh, see what's performing, not performing, and 
refresh content on a regular basis, at least quarterly. How, how often should you refresh content in Amazon? Not very. Not if you've done a if you've done a really really not very often. If you've done it really well um, at the beginning, I don't want to say it's a set it and forget it because there are things to revisit. Um, as you get, especially if you're run, you're running ads and you're getting data on you know what keywords you're actually getting sales for, um, then you know it can be wise to you know do a periodic uh, check in and touch up you know of the listings. But you don't want to you don't want to do a full refresh of your copy um, unless you have data justifying that you do so, or you're doing an entire brand refresh, something like that. Reason being, if you change, um, when you change a lot of things on an Amazon listing, it triggers a re-indexing process um, by Amazon. And essentially that means that you could be going back to, you could be going back to zero as far as ranking for certain keywords. Oh, wow. And so Amazon's a conversion-based platform. If you have a lot of momentum, you know, then uh, you can get, then... Uh, Just leave it alone. <laughs> in a short enough amount of time, you can get back up there. But when we're called in to re-optimize listings, um, it is, it's pretty, it's, it's a common experience for there to be a short-term dip before sales start to climb higher. Right, like Amazon will need a moment to reset that listing, and then if uh, if we've done our job right, and if uh, if the brand has you know a good marketing plan in place to support the listing, um, be it through Amazon ads or multi-channel, uh, then uh, you can you can absolutely you know increase your conversion rates. Uh, you can um, you know uh, you can address concerns that might have led to negative reviews. Uh, you can have a more targeted keyword strategy. You can incorporate your ads data to make sure that your listings are more tightly optimized. But it's something to do with care. It's not something to uh, refresh just because it feels like it's a little bit stale. You want data to back that decision. Cool. So um, we're coming to a close here. I wanted you a chance to talk about what your company does and uh, how they can get hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so EQDC, EQDC, you know, is a full stack Amazon agency. We help with everything from optimizations to ads to technical troubleshooting. Um, you know, I'm uh, we're most concerned with you know what uh, what way can you use Amazon that's going to you know best benefit your brand um, and uh, the moment it's in in your brand journey. Um, but uh, you can always um, you can always visit our site ecod2c.com. Um, you could shoot me an email at luke at ecodc.com. Uh, I'd be happy to hear from you. Um, but uh, those would be the two best ways to, to get a hold of us. Our, our website has some, some information and um, some studies and things like this. So, cool. Do you have a newsletter people might be interested in getting a hold of? Um, we're working on the newsletter. We've okay. had a couple iterations of a newsletter um, in the past. But uh, if uh, feel free to drop us your email if you're interested in, in hearing from us when we kickstart that again. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, we're going to be doing a joint uh, uh, Amazon SEO uh, webinar in February, correct? Correct. If you want to do a deep dive on the strategy and uh, really get some solid actionables and in, in how um, in, uh, in how you can incorporate a lot of things we've talked about today, please do join. I'm very excited to um, uh to lift up, uh, you know, and show up what's underneath the, the hood, so to speak. Yeah, we uh, Galileo, we do a, we do a, we do a lot of the content writing for Amazon. So 
we focus in on the wise content. So Amazon, so we, you know, we, uh, and we often work with uh, uh, Luke and uh, um, on, on particular projects. Um, we, um, if you want to, if you right now, if you want to be informed when the exact date of that webinar is, you can go to GalileoTechMedia.com uh, slash subscribe, subscribe to our newsletter, and then we will send out uh, when that date is done. If you are hearing this after February of 2021, you will be able to go to um, WiseContentCreatesWealth.com to find out uh, all previous webinars that we've had and other kinds of resources. You could also we'll also be able to GalileoTechMedia.com uh, and find that information as well. Um, and uh, you can uh, reach me at Joseph at GalileoTechMedia.com anytime to find out uh, uh, any uh, questions you might have. I want to recommend a couple of things for you. You should uh, definitely follow other uh, people on this network. Uh, uh, talkradio.nyc before me the Fridays is a generally a pretty good business day so um, at, at noon you have the entrepreneurial web with um, I think I've, well I don't remember the I'm sorry I don't remember the host name but I, I've listened to the show it's because I'm here early and it's and it's a pretty good show so that goes from noon to one on uh, on Fridays um, and uh, and there's others that have come along uh, uh, that are that are fairly well. So I recommend highly that you uh, pay attention to this network because uh, it has some good resources for you. Um, we are going to um, be putting um, uh, more webinars up on GalileoTechMedia.com related to wise content, um, and and there's going to and and how you can utilize it to. Um, really build your business. So it'll be more detailed and more and more action oriented. Um, and uh, and I look forward to um, uh, seeing you guys again to come next week uh, to from to, to this podcast. Wise uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth at one p.m. We have Kevin Lee, the founder of Did, uh, Did It, one of the largest agencies out there. Who he uh, you might have heard of him a couple of years ago. He tried to buy Gawker. Uh, and made the news. So he is a mover and shaker in the industry. He knows a lot about uh, wise content. He's also building a new interesting nonprofit. Uh, and uh, I invite you to come along and hear him next uh, next Friday from 1 to 2 at this same place. Thank you very much. It's been good talking to you.